0: Now, without further ado, this episode of the Daily Reprieve.
1: Okay, welcome back to. Uh, we have a solution. We're gonna. We're on Sunday. We've finished step eleven and done some off uh, recording meditation, and uh, we're back to uh, begin the discussion around step twelve. So. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, let me read the paragraph right before, that, that, that we didn't read at the uh, end of chapter 6. Um, we had just read, uh, we alcoholics are undisciplined, so we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. But this is not all. Yeah. There is action and more action. Page 88. There is action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entire, entirely devoted to step twelve. <clears throat> action and more action. Boy, we keep we keep seeing that. After every step, it's like, hurry up, next step, get to work.
1: <laughs> and and uh, while there's been discussion about step thirteen, there there really isn't one. <laughs> At least if there is, it's not conference approved. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Actually, it has grave um, consequences for, I'm told at least, uh, what little I know of it, it sounds like it has grave consequences for for our fellowship, too. But anyway, so um, going on, though, this is interesting because in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they had a paragraph on step 6 and a paragraph on step 7 and an entire chapter on step 12. And and so it, it just... Fascinates me that um, these things are what they are, but they are what they are. So here we are, and, and uh, the point I get just from what work I've done so far is that the 12-step is crucial. Um, you know, some folks say, you know, I, I get, I got pretty good. I got to a point in recovery where I, you know, my life calmed down, and I'm back in the game, and everything's sort of you know, going okay, and, and I drifted away. And Ebby, um, as I talked about earlier in the in the weekend, you know he drifted away and he relapsed and did different things, and <clears throat> it's all, always been discussed about Ebby that the part of the, the program that he didn't do is he didn't work with others. Um, Step 12 has a lot to do with working with others, and Bill did a lot of work with others. And they, they all talk about the difference between how it went for Ebby for the longest time and then eventually how it went for Bill was the difference was found in the fact that Bill worked with others. So that's what Chapter 7 is called, Working with Others. It um, starts out to say, Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking or lusting as intensive work with other sexaholics or alcoholics it works when other activities fail. This is our twelfth suggestion and the two words twelve suggestions um, the two words twelfth suggestion are italicized. It says carry this message to other alcoholics. You can help when no one else can. <coughs> you can secure their confidence when others fail. You can um, remember that they are very ill. Um, So you can secure their confidence when others fail, remember that they are very ill. So, life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends, this is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. That's kind of the preamble to the, the first part of the um, information on step twelve. What do you have on there, Kevin?
2: Yeah, frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Step, step. Um, you know, um, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> yep. That's why Bob and I are doing this because, uh, well, for me, I do it. Uh, because if I don't, if I don't pass on the, the the message, if I don't carry the message, um, I'm in, uh, I'm in danger of, uh, relapsing.
1: Start to think for yourself again. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: um, so I, I do this, uh, I do this for my own sobriety. Um and so that others can uh, experience the gift of recovery,
1: if they so choose. So let's go back again just real quickly, and just read Step 12 again. It says, Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to sexaholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So we acknowledge the work we've done so far, we have an instruction, carry the message. And then we have a second instruction. Practice these principles in all our affairs. So when you think about it, there's there's a lot there. <clears throat> First of all, you have to have something to offer. And then you ought to offer it, And then you ought to <clears throat> use these newfound ways of dealing with things in just everything. Not just... How you interact with people, um, but in all that you do. And to that end, eventually the, 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 the folks from Alcoholics Anonymous went about something that the Oxford group did not do, which was put together the 12 traditions, and uh, they put together uh, governing, um, shall we say, norms on how they would organize and, and how they would interact with each other and, and, and other things that helped them um, take, <clears throat> the lessons out of the 12 steps and incorporating them incorporate them into a set of rules of engagement for their fellowship. And that kept them alive, literally. Um, that was something that came later. We're not going to get in. It's not pertinent to Step 12 so much today in our discussion. But just know that we have the 12 steps of recovery as a result of that having happened because the Oxford group is largely gone now. And they, they, they did not get into any effort to... Um, shall we say have guidelines for how they would interact Um, and so other problems of society and humanity, krypton and greed and other things I'm told and I don't know much of the details sitting here right here today so that's something you can go ahead and look up as to what caused the demise of the Oxford Group but the Oxford Group is really the only fellowship of its kind in the history of mankind that had ever been able to extend itself to alcoholics and actually render any kind of a change in a positive way to the alcoholic, uh, let alone get them sober. So, um, this being like version 2.0, Alcoholics Anonymous, of what the Oxford Group was doing, which is really like some people like to think about it, um, keep in mind, Alcoholics Anonymous is the very first thing in the recorded history of mankind that's ever separated any substantial amount of alcoholics from their compulsion to drink, ever, as far as we know and uh, so you know it's it's a big deal and this step 12 is how we keep it along with you know, the, the step 10 and 11 and 12 is really the three tri- the trifecta of activity that enables us to keep what we have you know, that, that we've worked so hard to get by doing the first steps um, so go ahead Kevin.
2: Yeah so there's a lot of advice um, in, in this chapter about working with alcoholics some of it uh, some of it applies to sexaholics, some of it um, has to be um, modified in a, in a, in a way um, uh, so for example example reading on here perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover you can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals well, we typically don't go to hospitals or or um, uh, you know churches um, asking for sexaholics, but we do cooperate with with the professions and with the clergy um, who send um, a lot of a lot of uh, sexaholics our way. Um, <clears throat> it says they will only they will be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent and you can learn much from them if you wish, but it happens that because of your own drinking experience you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. <clears throat> um Yeah, why why do why do professionals and and clergy send uh sexaholics our way? Um well we're we're uniquely qualified to talk about sexaholism. You know, whereas whereas uh you know a a doctor or or a clergy member uh may not. Um, so we have uh... we have newcomer meetings in in our, uh, well at our Tuesday night meeting, I think some other meetings uh, do this too. Um, We do this for a specific reason. We we do a newcomer meeting for the new guy coming in um, so that um, so that he can know uh, that we know what we're talking about, for one and You can find out that, uh, um, that you know, talk talk with us uh, talk with a few members on a, um, on a more informal basis and, and find out what uh, the sex holiday really is about um, identify and and uh, determine if he really belongs um, <clears throat> So, you know, we're we're, if we had uh, if if we had a a committee uh, of hired people uh, just just for intake, (laughs) who were not necessarily sexaholics, I don't think
1: that would work too well. No, it'd feel too much like going to the hospital. Yeah, and you know that's the thing is that we do need triage for our spiritual and emotional condition. and it, but you have to handle that differently. And one one of the things that um what this does is as as you're working with newcomers, what you're doing is, is you're getting out of yourself. You can't be, you know, self-immersed when you're, you know, working with others. And and Bill knew that. And Bill knew that how danger how much of a danger he was to himself, Bill W, um when he's only thinking about himself because he knows that that got him into a, a a ridiculous mess with alcoholism and so he made a big a big deal out of working with others because he knew it got him, <clears throat> it got his attention off of his own miserable and and untenable problems and it, it enabled him to talk about the things that he had done that had helped him um, to people who he totally related to you know he totally related to this 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 drunk that was laying in a hospital bed, who was an accomplished uh, businessman, but couldn't seem to stay sober. He totally gets it, and he has a story of his own to tell that's compelling to someone like that. And and so as a salesman, he look, he started to watch that if I tell him how it went for me, these guys these guys calm down and they start to relate, and uh, you know that, that that was exciting to him. And then he got to watch these guys actually do the work and get sober, and some of them fell off a wagon and died. You know, not everybody, it wasn't a pretty story for everybody. But um, as it went, here they go. And that's what drove drove the writing of this chapter and the the 12 steps.
2: Um, Over on page 90, um, in the second paragraph, Get an idea of his behavior. Talking, talking about the the new guy, the um, the prospect. Uh, get an idea of his behavior, his problems, his background, the seriousness of his condition, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in his place to see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. So we tr- we try to we try to meet the the new guy. Um where he is, and um, and, and relate to that. Um, <clears throat> some more more advice here uh, over on page ninety two. If you're satisfied that he's a real alcoholic or in our case, sexaholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower <clears throat> um, so share from your own experience that's all we have you know we Bob and I are doing a lot of reading from this book um, but also sharing from our own experience how how um, how uh, we relate to that? Um, what we have is, if all we had was book learning,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, we we wouldn't be very far. Um, we have we have hard experience um, in in recovery, and and we can share that. Like it uh, like it says, you can't share something you haven't got. Um, and what kind of hope would that be for the newcomer?
1: Right, and it kind of talks about this in this when he says, like you said here, um, talk about the hopelessness of the, of the alcoholic condition. And he's asking, he says, <clears throat> um, show showing from your own experience um, how the queer mental condition works. Um, that's something an alcoholics can relate to. That's something a going can relate to. And <clears throat> the reason we can continue on and, and talk at length about the hopelessness of the malady, uh, it says here, continue to speak of alcoholics. alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep an attention focused mainly on your personal experience. And the reason you can take him through this kind of the discussion is, first of all, you've been there. Second of all, You, you, you understand hopelessness from first-hand experience. And, more importantly than anything, you have a solution. Because to have this discussion and dwell on the hopelessness of the, of the, of the addiction cycle would be mean without a solution. Mm-hmm. And so, he doesn't know about a solution. Especially if he's new. And that's that's why we can we can relate. So the main thing that he is you know the, the main thing here is that you know you don't have to be turning to the text. It doesn't have to be coming out of a book. This is a time when your own personal experience is crucial. Because when this new person sees that you know your story is convincing, that you behave much like they did. For me, that was a shock and awe thing. I I thought I was the only one that did this stupid stuff the way I did it. So there's that. And, and then I thought, well, if there's a whole room full of these people, some of these people look pretty good. I mean, they look... They're, they're not the... Uh, they don't fit into some stereotype I had conjured. I'm not even sure what I had conjured either, right? As to what I was going to find there. So, it's like, man. They need this surprise, is the point. And it's our job, if we've got the solution, to provide that. To provide that setting of shock and awe as they come into the room. Yeah.
2: Um, bottom of page ninety-two. Even though your protégé may not have entirely admitted his condition, he has become very curious to know how you get how you got well. Let him ask you that question if he will. Tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. <clears throat> tell him exactly what happened to you, tell your story. And then you know what what happened to uh, um, get you sober um, and then' suggesting here that you get the guy right to right to step two <laughs> main thing is that he'd be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles so you know we're not shy in our, in our newcomer meetings about about uh, telling a newcomer that, that you know this is a spiritual program, you're gonna to have to find God. That might scare a few people, but if they can see what it's done for us,
1: um, then maybe that will bring them some, some hope and to be willing to to do what it takes goes on to say, down here on the bottom of ninety three, it says to this to this very discussion, mm-hmm. your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he is going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows, but he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked, and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Very important. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. Very important. But call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink however deep his faith and knowledge he could not have applied it or he would not drink well that's a little fresh perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well we represent no particular faith or denomination we are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. And so then it says, outline the program of action that you took. Explaining how you made self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are, not, are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. So, so basically what you're doing is, is uh, saying basically what was said to me. You know, forget everything you know about Guy, Bob. It never kept you sober. It's time to learn something new. And, you know, okay, really? Yeah, really. Look how well it worked for you. Nothing wrong with it. It's maybe what you did with it. I don't know. But we're going to start over in certain areas because we've got to circle back and cover some different ground. I I couldn't argue with that. I just couldn't argue with that. That was so true. So this is this is a touchy little part of it Um, and everybody seemingly will respond a little differently one to the next, right? Um, Depending on them and what they've experienced and who they are and where they've been and how much they've got invested. Um, So If you have a, a right attitude though you can you can get this part of the work done. Uh, Cause usually, a newcomer's desperate enough, hopefully um, that that they want to hear what's what's gonna work mm-hmm.
2: so let's not forget why we're doing step twelve though um we're doing it to carry the message but but I'm doing it to stay sober mm-hmm. and and to um, stay recovered um, top of page ninety six do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. <laughs> How many sponsors p- do you have, Bob?
1: Oh, I, I don't. Know. I've lost count. <laughs> got a sponsor ten to get three to call you. Yeah.
2: yeah. Don't give up. Once you once you've got through, you know, once you've worked the steps.
1: Um, and, and granted, that might just be me.
2: <laughs> I hope
1: not, but it might just be. Me. No, it's
2: it's me too. Is it Oh, okay? Yeah. Just wanted to throw that in here for this. I was uh, I was counting the number of contacts in my phone that that uh, okay. I have the. I, whenever I put an SA contact in my phone, that they, they get the company company name is SA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I kind of do that, so too, yeah. I, I know who all the SAs are. Um, <clears throat> And I was going through that list the other day, and I, was like,
1: I don't know half of these people. Yeah. I don't remember half of these people. They don't call me. You might just well delete them. Yeah. For no more than the same. Cool. I know, yeah. right? So I don't delete them. But still yeah, leaving.
2: but once in a while, you you get a call from the past, and it's in my contact list, so I know who it is. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. You can act like yeah, yeah. yeah. It can once the name comes up, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> know. Yeah. Um,
2: page 97 never avoid these responsibilities but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery Ooh, there you go (sighs) a kindly act once in a while isn't enough you have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be it may mean the loss of many nights sleep great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally you will have to meet such conditions. These early alcoholics they they took they took new guys into their homes.
1: Yeah, I, we don't recommend that. And I said,
2: um, yeah. And there's there's a uh, there's actually a section earlier in this chapter about maybe how far you should go, um, decisions you should
1: make. Well, I've never been. It's. Never been recommended to me to loan a guy money either, um, unless unless you're just willing to give it. Never see it again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turn an expense expense report to the central office. Right, right. Yeah, you're not going to get paid on that deal. So that's all we're saying. You know, it's just not a good. It's kinda not a good practice, but. But some of this other stuff applies. Your your telephone may jangle at any time of the mm-hmm. day right? Yeah, that's true. You know. Um
1: I've been in meetings at work at phone right, I'd go out the hallway and take a call. Yeah. You know, that stuff happens.
2: Yeah. New guy at the Sunday Sunday uh Sunday Detroit meeting years ago and uh he he was having problems with, with um with some nighttime issues, nighttime Lost and, and um, slipping, and uh, spoke to a sponsor about it. And his sponsor said, "I want you to, I want you to call me, call me at night. In fact, uh, th- this seems to be happening in the middle of the night every night. So, so why don't you call me at 3 a.m. every night for the next week? Oh, I don't want to wake up your family. You're going to wake up my family." <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna call you're gonna wake up my family I don't care. call me mm-hmm. um if that's what it takes so don't don't be uh um don't be afraid to go to go to these links um, These are the links that i'm i'm that I might have to go to. Keep my own sobriety.
1: Uh-huh. says here we seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for long at a time. It's not good for him and sometimes creates serious complications in the family. I wonder if Lois made him write that. <laughs> 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 uh, this makes me wonder. Yeah
2: there's some advice on the next page about money Um, here's some good stuff at the bottom of page 99 let no alcoholic say he cannot recover it unless he has his family back this just isn't so in some cases the wife will never come back for one reason or another and this seems to be Particularly uh, applicable to sexaholics. Yep. Remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people, it is dependent upon his relationship with God. We have seen men get well whose families have not returned at all. We have seen others slip when the family came back too soon.
0: Mm hmm.
2: It's interesting. You know, I, I don't think any of us comes to comes to SA with the with completely pure motives.
1: I've not met one yet. I've never met a newcomer who really wanted to quit yet either. I don't think.
2: I came I came to SA primarily because I wanted to save my
1: relationship. Mhm. I came because I had this little problem with sex that was pretty annoying, and someone said I should come to one of these meetings. So, what do you guys do you? Yeah.
2: But I got sober when I decided that it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether um, it wasn't up to me. It wasn't up to me whether my wife stayed or left or whether whether I decided to go. Um, I I didn't, I don't need my family to recover.
1: Right. That did change everything, didn't it? That's a big deal. Because yeah. now I don't have anybody to blame. I used to look for that all the time. You know? yeah. I used to look for somebody to blame for my problems. I'm not so sure I still don't do that every right now and then. Um, just too easy. you know. It's the lazy easy way out. Yeah. It keeps me from having to do the work I need to do. All that stuff. and um, All it really ends up doing is postponing the things I need to really do. And it delays and diverts my attention from what I should be paying attention to, to, you know, a rather useless frame of mind. So, if it's only, you know, if my recovery is just between me and God, then I, it's just about me getting busy, then. That's simpler. Mm hmm.
2: Um, here on page one hundred is is a reminder that um, once i've uh, once I'm working on step twelve, it's not like I have arrived <laughs> and can stop uh, stop any further work. It says both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. This is um, this is instructions to to the the sponsor. Yep. When working with a man and his family, you should take care not to participate in their quarrels. You may spoil your chance of being helpful if you do. But urge upon a man's family that he has been a very sick person and should be treated accordingly. You should warn against arousing resentment or jealousy. You should point out that his defects of character are not going to disappear overnight. Show them that he has entered upon a period of growth. Ask them to remember when they are impatient, the blessed back of his sobriety. Um, Will Will didn't go quite that far with me and my wife. He certainly didn't participate in our quarrels. And that set an example for me. Um, You know, I'm not gonna... A guy comes to me, my wife is blah 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 blah. Well, that's too bad. What about you? I'm not going to get in the middle of any quarrels with with the family. Um, it says here I may spoil my chance of being helpful if I do. But will did will did set some very good uh, some examples uh, for me in sponsoring sponsoring men. He met he met with my wife and I. Not, not to settle any quarrels or to even convince her that that I was, uh, you know, recovering or, or doing the work. Um, he simply did it to get to know me and my situation mm-hmm. better. He did the same
1: thing with me too. Yeah. yeah. it was it was a powerful time and. and uh, You know that that was one of the things that I appreciated the most. Um, like you say, about what Will has done, is that he was in a certain set of circumstances where he could really show us how Step Twelve worked by doing it for us, showing it to us, or the way he was doing things, and and starting a meeting um, where he literally was the guy who started the meeting he he landed the location and told everybody about it and said it's gonna be a book study and come on down here um which by the way is the same meeting that is now turned into the Tuesday night meeting that most of us attend um because as that needed to leave Detroit and go somewhere else it ended up out in West Bloomfield so that's a that's a big 12-step thing that's that's helping others that's you know doing the stuff that's talked about here in the book so he was, an, he, was a, he was an amazing example of, of how to live, um, you know, a, a daily life um, utilizing 10, 11, and 12 as your guideline.
2: It says here, if you've been successful in solving your own domestic problems, tell the newcomer's family how that was accomplished. In this way, you can set them on the right track without becoming critical of them. The story of how you and your wife settled your difficulties was worth any amount of criticism. Yeah, so this is um, this, this is exactly what Will did. Mm-hmm. You know? There's no question that's exactly what he did. And, and this is what um, it, <laughs> this is what what uh, what I do as well, and what we try to do in, in our we, we have enough experience <laughs> at, at our Tuesday night meeting of of different kinds of uh, domestic problems, <laughs> and, and how they've been solved. Or how they're being worked on. Yeah, when, when a new guy comes in and he's got a certain problem, he says, oh, go talk to Chris. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Go talk to Kevin. Yeah, Kevin knows about oh. that. Go talk to Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the, sometimes the, the troubles involve children. I don't have children. Mm-hmm. So, directing to someone who has children, who's who's, who's uh, dealt with that problem, There's, um, that, that's the that's the beauty of having such diversity at our at our meetings. Of yeah. I mean we all suffer from the same problem, um, but in different
1: ways, different circumstances. So, well, the other thing we have been blessed with too is at least at our Tuesday night meeting out of the 20 some that show up we've got a real interesting um spiritual tradition diversity too that's just wonderful because you know <clears throat> if you want to come in there and use your religious pursuit as your excuse you're gonna have a hard time because you know this this group of people has you covered you know several different from several different directions and uh um, but more than anything, I, I just find that it adds a beautiful color to who's in the room and the kind of shares we get, and the basis of the interpretation of this work in people's lives. It's uh, it's very rich, um, and, and that's that's one of the things that's been so important to me about you know the way Alcoholics Anonymous has set forth the work and. The way that SA takes it so straight up for what it is is because it is—they're drop dead serious about being not aligned with any sect. Um, because this is this isn't about that. This is about anybody should be able to get this solution that we talk about going on in their life, and their their choice of religious pursu- pursuit should not be coupled to it um, because the solution works for everyone, and that's really important. Really important to me. So.
2: So now we're getting to um, a, a little bit of the second part of twelve, uh, step twelve, and that is practice principles in all of our affairs. And there's uh, even though we're still in a chapter working with others, it, it's uh, starting to talk about some more everyday uh, occurrences. Um, <clears throat> at the bottom of page 100 it says assuming we are spiritually fit we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do people have said we must not go where liquor is served we must not have it in our homes we must shun friends who drink we must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes we must not go into bars our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their houses we mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all our experience shows that this is not necessarily so um, I would submit that this is a, a little bit different with lust. I am not going to go to um, you know a, a place of nude entertainment. Um, you know, if, if a if a guy happens to call me and say and, and say I'm 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 in this strip joint,
1: come down and rescue me. Okay, I'll I'll meet you on the curb. <laughs> I'm not coming in, but yeah, I'll come down there. Yeah, I'll be your Uber. Yeah, so to speak, right?
2: Yeah. Um, but this kind of does apply, you know, I, so, um, I have, uh, made a conscious decision not to watch, um, our movies that have been, uh, rated because of sexual content. Um, and I, um, I use that, I, I look on the, the parental advice on IMDb to, to kind of confirm what I can watch and can't. Um, For me, our movies that are just for violence are, I mean, there's no sexual content that's fine or or language or whatever. But um, once in a while, I'll I'll find myself going out to a movie, a a new movie, which I I don't know what the content is, Um, you know, I may be going with with friends, you know, with a couple friends, entertainment. and I, I'm okay doing that. I'm not going for the express purpose of of looking for those scenes which are racy and I can you know lust at. Um, if something happens to come up, I can uh, I can be okay with that. I'm I'm not. My motive isn't to go there to lust. My motive is to, is to be with friends uh, and um, you know have some social interaction. Um, so you know if necessary, I can. Uh, I divert my eyes,
1: or if it looks right. like it's going to be a long scene, I can go get some popcorn. <laughs> yeah. And the point, the big takeaway for me on on that exact topic is is what Bill said. He's uh, Bill asked my sponsor and I had talked about this this thread of discussion one day, and he said, Bob, he says, you know, we both live in the world, and what happens in the world is that the world has a way of presenting us with things that." Um, let's face it, we're allergic to. It It just does that. You know, and you're going to see it. And he says, so i got to be realistic and say that, you know, I'm not going to just live like a hermit on top of a mountain somewhere. I'm going to engage in the society I live in. And so part of that means that um, I need to do the things I need to do so that when that comes up, I've got something going on in my life to where I'm not thinking about it two days from now still. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between today, Bob, and what it was like for me before. Because when that would happen before, I'm still obsessing about it two days later. Now, a couple hours, maybe, if that. Just that afternoon, I'm not even thinking about it. it happens in the morning. That's the difference. And how did that happen? Well, it happened because, you know, I took... The spiritual kit of tools and this new manner of living seriously, and it happens to have lifted the obsession of the mind. That's sometimes I get that tested for me, <laughs> you know, kind of thing is 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 his point, and uh, so that's the beauty. And after this is instilled in your daily living for a while, you'll you'll get to see what I mean.
2: Yep. So let me continue here. Talk some more about that. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland ice cap, and even there an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to distant places on the theory. He would escape the alcohol problem. Manning in our belief any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from the temptation is doomed to failure. The problem is not out there. The problem is in here. Yeah. yeah, I certainly can't run away from that. <laughs> 101. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself he may succeed for a time but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to do the impossible have always failed. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking if we have a legitimate reason for being there. That's in italics. What's my motive? That includes bars, nightclubs, dances, receptions, weddings, even plain ordinary whoopee parties.
1: That's a whoopee party? I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't want. That's, that, I could probably live the rest of my life just fine. Now. I don't want that. To, <laughs>
2: <laughs> to a person who has had experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. You will note that we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion: Have I any good? social, business or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need have no apprehension. Go or stay away, whichever seems best, but be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. But if you are shaky, you'd better work with another alcoholic instead.
1: Yeah, I remember um, Bill talking to me about a situation he was in. There was a professional um, dinner that was going to be populated by, it would be attended by a bunch of people that were, it was very important, you know, in the in the scheme of what he's doing for a living, um, to be at this thing, and so this wasn't going to be necessarily all that best form for him to miss this. Um, but not unlike these things, it was going to be there's going to be a lot of you know open bar and, and this and that, and so he looked at the schedule of events and figured, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get there right at, right when it starts. And I'm going to do the things I need to do. I'm going to interact with the people I need to interact with and do the networking that I need to do professionally. And that way everyone has seen me there. I'm going to eat dinner when that is finally served. And then um, if there happens to be one speaker I need to hear or whatever's going on, I'll do that. And then I'm out because the rest of it's going to segue into a bunch of raucous drinking and, and, and partying, the, st- the sort of thing that um, I don't need to be around for and he did that and he says I was home early I got my rest and I you know missed out on all the drinking and the stuff that isn't necessary all the right people saw me I shook the right hands I needed to shake and greeted the right hands I greeted the right people I needed to greet so by everyone's estimation I was at the event the good news for me Bob I wasn't at the event as a drunk <laughs> it's a big difference <laughs> you know so that's how to do that
2: yep Um, let's see, let's, see. <clears throat> let's skip over to page 103 we'll finish out this chapter we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution um, experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone every new alcoholic looks for the spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners a spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics who, whose lives have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good. For not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by who, by one who hates it. So we have, we in SA, we have no opinion on outside matters, and that includes, you know, the the industries that that we're. Um, that were problematic for us. You know, we have no opinion on on the pornography industry. We we may as individuals, um, but as a group we don't. And I'm careful not to express those you know uh, those opinions or show intolerance um, for any of that. I, I mean, it, it's it's there. It's a the fact. Of, like I'm not gonna. I'm not going to stop the pornography industry on my own. I don't have to go on a crusade to stop it. What I do need to do is is do the work so that I'm not um, participating in that anymore.
1: Yeah. Right? so you're, you're no longer a consumer. Um,
2: <clears throat> someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem but we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. I think that also applies to, to sexaholism. Yep. Um, <clears throat> after all, our pro- ah, this is, this is This is good. And it's in italics. Oh, imagine that. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. All this, all this stuff that I did—the pornography, the lusting—it's—it's it's only a symbol. But there, there's a, uh, so true. There's a guy, his um, name Sean, used to talk about ism, he had the ism. I'm, I'm not so much as as a. Sexaholic as I am, uh, an ism, ismaholic, or however you want to put it, addicted to himself. Yeah, ism is alcoholism, sexaholism, foodism, gamblingism, whatever. But I S M stands for (laughs) technical difficulty. Yeah.
1: (laughs) ISM, uh, what does ISM stand for? Stands
2: for inability to see myself. <laughs> oh. Inability to see myself. And that's that's really the, the crux of the whole problem. Bottles were only a symbol. Problems were of our own making. Um, <clears throat> so that was a chapter working with others. There there is a there's a lot more in this book. We've only covered up the page uh, 104. There's 164 pages in the in the main text, um, and I would encourage you to to reread all of that. Read read the parts that we haven't read. Um, uh, if, you, if you turn to page 112, <clears throat> read the uh, what are the first three words there? Read this book. Read this book. Yeah. Now turn to page thirty-two and read the first three words there. More than once. More than once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, that's out of context, but that's a little little trick there. At least uh,
1: it's in the conference approved material.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I agree with that sentiment. Read this book more than once. Um, it is it is uh, our instruction manual and. The, the more I read this book, the more I find. The more, um, the 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 more I uh, the more I learn about you know the the program, what I should be doing. I it's it's a it contributes to continual growth. And if I'm not growing, I'm shrinking. Recovery is like uh, to me. Recovery is like walking up a down escalator. You know, you, you can. You can make progress. You can, you can make it to the top. You have to keep moving though. The minute you stop moving you're going back down. Yep. It's a
1: great analogy. It's
2: a great analogy. So I, I hope that uh, you have found in, in our, our weekend here some inspiration to uh,
1: to learn more about the program and, and to do the work. We also hope that, you know, any of your preconceived notions, I mean, you know, I had preconceived notions, and I think it's human nature to have preconceived notions. It's just kind of how we roll, but um, that's one of the big purposes, at least to me, for doing something like this, is because we can take what the actual program really is as it's laid out to us, um, talk through all the aspects of it over a couple of day period of time, and and really go a long way towards clearing up some of those preconceived notions. Uh, everybody has them. So that's, that's really the purpose of this, is to, is to give you a, a, a very firm grasp of some good clarity on what Bill W. and Dr. Bob set out to do to help other alcoholics, which has turned out to not just do that, but it, it's a process that can be used for all kinds of different problems and challenges. And it can free you from that which binds you if you're bound and if you're a a personality like ours who suffers with a compulsive response to something that shouldn't be responded to compulsively then this 12-step process can help purge all that noise and enable you to start off on a way of life that, that just doesn't have to be driven anymore. Do I still am I still allergic to lust? I'll be allergic to lust until I assume room temperature but I don't have to be driven by it anymore. It doesn't own me anymore. It just doesn't own me. I couldn't get that to turn off to save my life before. I wanted to. I remember acting out and not even wanting to act out. Mm-hmm. just didn't want to do it and I still did it. Mm-hmm. That's being owned by something. And I'm not doing that anymore. I just don't live like that anymore. So. No better than I was able to get that going on on my own. I'm pretty impressed with this process because this got it going on. This is what helped me move from a prisoner to a free man. So if, if you suffer with addiction like the way I suffer with this, this addiction, um, get a sponsor and get, to get busy because you don't have to live like this anymore. You, just, you don't have to live being driven and owned by a, by a compulsive behavior set that will try to kill you. You just don't have to live like that. Anymore. That's the big takeaway. Yeah,
2: um, one final thought on on uh, Step 12 and working with others. Um, in Dr. Bob's Nightmare, um, it's uh, on page uh, 180 and 181. Um, in the fourth edition, um, he says, "I spend a great deal. I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons: one, a sense of duty; two, it is a pleasure; three, because in so doing, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me." and four because every time I do every time I do it I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip it's
1: a great reason he
2: nailed it that's
1: awesome stuff so do the work get the gift and give it away only get to keep what you give away guys
2: Thank you for all your attention.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve